Well, good morning, everybody. Thanks so much for joining us on our Sunday stream. If you're here with us already uh, on our stream, feel free to join us in the comments. It's kind of our like virtual lobby. And so if you have maybe just one person who is watching with you or maybe yourself that just wants to like give us a quick hello, we'd love to say hi to you. We'd love to just be able to greet you, to chat with you in the comments. You'll see people that will um, add an amen or add a comment or add a thought. And we just really see this as a great way for us to kind of dialogue together. That although we can't necessarily be together, that we're able to at least chat with each other in community. We just have one announcement for you before we start our message this morning, and that's that we are relaunching again for the fall. And so we have a couple dates that you can join us in person here at the church. And so if you go to myevangel.church forward slash relaunch, uh, you can register for both a Sunday a.m. service. We have a couple Sunday p.m. services as well. For kids, we still we actually have added kids ministry again on Sunday mornings. So if your kids want to join us for their specific kids church, they're welcome to do that. And then we have preteen parties. So preteens, we haven't forgot about you. Don't worry. Uh, there is still space for you. We had a great time at our preteen party over the summer. And so we kind of thought that we'd just continue. And so we're going to be able to do that as well. So you can register for all of those events at myevangel.church forward slash relaunch. But we would love to see you join us in person if you're here in the Powell River region. Well, my name's Marcus. I'm one of the pastors here at Evangel Church. Um, but during my time in college, I was actually really lucky to be an intern alongside one of my friends for a program called Omega. Omega is a one-year discipleship program for, for first-year students where they serve in various places in the community. And then at the end of the trip, myself and my, my intern assistant led one team of students overseas on a trip. And so close to the trip, there's one particular part of the preparation that's like a little bit of a big deal. It happens just before we leave. It's one of those moments that's kind of like an anticipatory moment. It's the bag way where you bring your travel backpack that you just like stuffed three weeks worth of stuff into where you like put your socks and your underwear and your shirts and your shorts and everything in, in Ziploc bags. You like vacuum seal it with a straw and quickly, quickly close it and then stuff everything in there. And then you bring it into one of the rooms and they weigh it before we go to Vancouver airport. Because here's the thing, if you're overweight, from what's allowed, then you have to take stuff out. And so it's this moment where everybody's nervous, where they packed all their things, where they're hoping they don't have to take out those like granola bars that they put in there as like a creature comfort, just in case they're feeling like they need a snack from home. And so you have this bag way. And then eventually you get to Vancouver airport and when in Omega, you look a little bit ridiculous walking through the airport. There's like 40 or 50 people with these like giant travel backpacks that are like taller than your head on your back where you have your day pack strapped to your front. Uh, so you look like a turtle with two shells and you're like trudging through with this like backpack at your chin with this like backpack on your back with all these other bags and like sound systems and weird things as like 40 people are moving through the Vancouver airport. So you're quite a spectacle. It almost looks like we're joining the amazing race. And so last spring, my team had the opportunity to go to the Philippines. We had a great time serving there. We met some incredible people, some great global workers. And so we had three weeks there, but at, towards the end of our trip, we we're gonna join the other teams um, back in Thailand to have a little bit of rest and relaxation after serving really hard for the past three weeks. And so all 10 of us on my team, 
uh, were dropped off by our global worker at the airport. They left, they, they left back for home and we were on our own. So somehow in Omega, when you're an intern, you've like convinced the director of the program to let like a 24 year old and 22 year old student lead a group of freshman students in a foreign country. Um, but somehow I managed to do that. So all 10 of us were at the airport and it was going really smoothly. I was like very proud of my team, very proud of the way that they were working through it, where we got our bags dropped off, we got our tickets, um, we were moving through security couple of hiccups at security, which gave me a little bit of anxiety uh, because, you know, we have to get through all the processes and like, goodness, if somebody was like stuck there, had a few hiccups, but made it through. Feeling pretty awesome. I was feeling pretty proud of myself. And so we all gathered together in one big group and we kind of joined together again as everybody made it through security. I was like, all right, guys, let's check when our boarding time is because we need to be back before that. So I looked down at my ticket at the highlighted boarding time and I look at my watch and I look back at my boarding pass and the time we were supposed to board was five minutes from now. And so with this like deer in the headlights look, I look at my team and I say one word, run. And so all of us start running through the airport as fast as we can. We were like on the farthest end of the airport from where we had to be. And so we're running through the airport. We're sprinting as fast as we possibly could. Our backpacks are like bouncing on our back. The like ones on our front are hitting us in the chin and smacking us. And people are carrying not just their two bags, but they're carrying like a duffel bag and a hockey bag and a portable sound system and a projector. And so the 10 of us start sprinting through the airport. And all of this weight that I, that I had on my back and also on my front slowed me down in my sprint very, very quickly. I didn't have very much endurance with all this extra weight added to me. And as we were running through the airport, we looked like a bunch of crazy people. Um, but as we sprinted, people began to kind of see us coming from afar and they began to shout and cheer. Uh, they were probably also like laughing at us as we were like sprinting through the airport. But it was that like, little cheer of encouragement that we needed to continue running so that we didn't miss our flight. Well, we ended up actually making it onto our flight by a sheer miracle, but I was spent after that one kilometer dash through the airport. Because here's the thing, it wasn't really the distance that was the issue. It would have been so nice in that moment though to be able to shed the weight of my backpack. It wasn't the distance. It was the weight that I carried on my back that caused me to run out of steam pretty quickly. How nice would it have been in that moment to shed my backpack and run freely? Well, oftentimes when we talk about our faith, we talk about it as a journey, as not necessarily a sprint frantically through the airport, but as a journey, as a long distance lifestyle. But how often though in our, our faith do we carry extra weight, not in the form of a backpack, but in a spiritual sense that kind of hinders us along on our journey? Have you felt that way? Do you feel like sometimes you're trudging along, feeling like you're shouldering things that are quickly sapping your strength to continue in your faith journey? Well, I want you to know today that you are not alone. I think that we all feel this way sometimes, but there is a way to shed what we shoulder. If you're taking notes today, I want you to write this down. The marathon of faith is endured by what we shed. 
The marathon of faith is endured by what we shed. Well, we're still continuing our, our Hebrews series, and we're moving from chapter 11 now to chapter 12. And I think that this passage in Hebrews speaks a lot to the weight that we can sometimes carry through life that's not intended to be carried. And also like I experienced in the airport, but in a different way. It also talks about people who can cheer us on in our journey of faith that we have, both on our own and in community with each other. So I want to turn today to Hebrews chapter 12, and we're going to read from verses 1 to 3 together today. If you don't have a Bible and you want one, if you go to myevangel.church forward slash Bible, uh, we have options, whether that's an online app, uh, whether that's a physical Bible, if you live in our region, we'd love to resource you with God's word. And so that's an option for you today if you want a Bible. But we're going to read today. It says in Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 to 3, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. Let's pray. God, we thank you that you are with us on our journey today, that our journey of faith is not one that we marathon alone, but that we are, you are with us, that you cheer us on, and that you are the one who allows us to, to maybe shed some of that spiritual weight and to untangle ourselves from the challenges that we find ourselves in. God, I pray that this would be a message where you speak to us so clearly, where it's not my words that are coming out of my mouth that, that resonate in our hearts, but that would fall away so that your voice can speak. We love you and we thank you and we pray this in your name. Amen. Well, the writer of Hebrews in chapter 11 just finished with one of like the most iconic and encouraging pieces of scripture uh, of some of the hall of heroes of the Old Testament. These people lived by faith, they died in faith, and they didn't necessarily receive the fulfillment of the promise they had been given until they were reunited with Jesus in eternity. And so it can be really easy when we read these stories and see these examples and kind of exclude ourselves from the possibility of ever really having this type of faith. I know when I read that passage or, or, or when I reread the passage, I often think of these people in this like totally different category, this like upper echelon of believers where they're like stratospherically different and better and greater in their faith than I could ever be. Because we, we see these pictures of these people who have not just run the race that we're running, but who have also finished it and who are commended for it. But the reality is that these people were actually no different than you or I. They were broke, still broken people of faith, just like you and me, that God used for his purposes to reveal his faithfulness to generations and generations and generations after. I want to encourage you this morning. Your journey of faith can also be an example for those who come after you. Not necessarily of what you've done, though, but of God's faithfulness in bringing you through both the joys and the challenges and defeats of life. Your testimony of faith can also actually echo through generations of your family, through generations of your friends, through generations of our community. And you're not alone in this journey of faith.
When the author says in verse one that we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, it's kind of an, a little bit of a strange phrase, but in um, kind of older language, the, the idea of a cloud of people was like this big kind of growing group of people. And so in this passage that we're reading from verses one to three, there's kind of this sports analogy or sports language that they use when you look at the original language. And it kind of conveys this message that we're kind of players in a spectator sport of faith today. And so this great cloud of witnesses then are the people that the author of Hebrews had just highlighted in the passage before. But there are actually also those who are added to the great cloud after them as people pass from life on this earth to eternity with Jesus. But as we look at the role of the great cloud of witnesses, there are kind of a couple veins of thought because we know who they are, but it's hard to kind of understand what they do or what their function is or why they're even mentioned in this passage. Well, the first vein of thought is that the picture the author is creating is one of being in a marathon with spectators that are like kind of passively observing us from the stands. There's the idea that in like the amphitheater of eternity, there are all these people that are kind of observing our journey of faith from a distance or, or observing us below. The second vein of thought is that these people aren't necessarily witnesses of our particular and individual race, but they're rather witnesses to our faith, to us of faith and endurance, as they're people lining the track, spurring us on. They aren't just a group of people who are like fans of the sport, but who have no skin in the game, but rather those who have run the same race and have finished. And now they join the growing number of people who, who line the track as we run that same race in our own individual way, but same in, in idea for ourselves. A commentator, David Guthrie, explains it this way. He says, these witnesses who watch from the stands are those well qualified to inspire. They bear witness to the faithfulness of God in sustaining them. These faith spectators are not ones who like jeer at us or shout at us if we trip or fall flat on our face, but they're the examples that we see that cheer us on to continue forward in our journey of faith to inspire us forward, especially when we're tired, discouraged, when we feel maybe out of breath. I think this second one, it's kind of the deeper meaning that the passage is trying to explain. Not that, this we have, not that we have this like performance that we must do in perfection to like receive a thumbs up from the spectators, kind of like in that first example, but rather a growing number of people who example encourages us onward and onward and onward as we run our individual and yet somehow also interconnected marathons of faith. Well, if we continue with this running analogy, we know that runners of a race can't just start a marathon cold. They need to prepare for their race. And the specific preparation in this passage for the realm of faith is to lay aside every weight and sin which so easily entangles us. I think it's kind of interesting that the author makes like two distinctions here. There's those things that weigh us down that aren't necessarily sinful, and then also like actual sin itself, where we miss the mark, where we uh, go against what God has intended for us. Both these things don't actually immediately disqualify us from continuing in the race. 
but rather they hinder our ability to continue onward because they deplete our strength. They deplete the reserves. They cause every step forward to become harder and harder and harder, where we end up like trudging along in this journey of faith. We're like dragging our heels through it rather than joyfully and excitedly and passionately running forward. When the author talks about sin, they use the word entangles. And I think it shows us such a clear picture of the message trying to be conveyed where we're running in this marathon of faith, but that sin will cause our feet to catch and will fall on our face, where it's almost like we're running over a net, where you're running through it. You may like, you know, you may dodge a couple like holes or snares, but then eventually your foot gets cut, caught in one of those holes in the net and it gets tangled around your feet and you like fall forward flat on your face. As we look at these pictures, we see the writer of Hebrews kind of uses broad strokes in this application. There isn't a specific weight, there isn't a specific sin uh, that they're speaking to specifically. There's not one that they have in mind. The marathon of faith is endured by what we shed. So this means then if it's in broad strokes that they're saying that we need to shed any weight that holds us down. We need to shed any sin that so easily entangles us. And we do that by searching our hearts and asking the Holy Spirit to reveal what weight we're holding on to and what sin we're allowing to entangle us. Because the shedding of spiritual weight and sin is a continual process. The effects of that sin have been already solved by Jesus's death and resurrection where we don't experience eternal separation from God or death, but that we experience eternity with him. So the effects of that in the long term are taken care of by Jesus and his uh, sacrifice on the cross. But it's still something that we need to continue to shed in our day-to-day lives. It's the process of looking more and more like Jesus each day. So it could be easy to kind of hear or read this passage and kind of give this part like a quick consideration, like it's verse one, it's like the intro, like how really important is this? But the therefore in this verse, I think adds a level of significance. The therefore is there because this is actually, this one verse is actually the whole application to the previous chapter where all of these people managed to shed those things and run that race and finish. And so if they've done it, so must we in our journey of faith. Because the marathon of faith is endured by what we shed. So I want to encourage each one of us to take a moment in our time with the Lord and ask him this question again. What is weighing me down? And what sin is entangling me? David in the Bible puts it this way in Psalm chapter 139, verses 23 to 24. It says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any grievous way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. Doing this work of shedding is important because I think it gives us forward trajectory. Because there's a vast difference of running on a treadmill versus running on a path set before us. Running on treadmill has a purpose. You know, you get your heart rate up, you're you're working for it, but it doesn't have a trajectory. It doesn't have a line of sight that that it's moving toward. 
Well, in the spiritual sense, when we don't do that inner work of partnering with the Holy Spirit and shedding spiritual weight and turning from our sin, we end up running our, our marathon of faith on a treadmill where we feel like we're continuing with purpose, where we feel like we're doing something, but we're not actually moving in any direction, certainly not forward. We kind of end up in this cyclical loop where we're spinning our tires and, and going and going and going and using all of this energy, but not getting anywhere forward. But by allowing God to search us, by walking and shedding that extra that we're not supposed to carry, it means we can step off the treadmill and back onto the spiritual pathway that God has laid out for us of faith. So what are you running on today in your journey of faith? Do you need to maybe get off the treadmill and back onto the track? Well, shedding that spiritual weight and turning from sin is, like I said, kind of preparatory. But it's also continual as we journey in faith forward. There's no sense of like perfection that we have to achieve before we start our journey of faith. But this marathon of faith requires endurance, like the writer of Hebrews says. I said earlier that the, the marathon of faith is endured by what we shed. Our journey of faith is not a sprint. It is not a sprint. Whereas a sprint is about depletion, a marathon is about endurance. And this is no different with how we live by faith. William Barclay comments on this race of endurance in like this incredibly profound way. I like wish I could put this into the words that he has. He says it this way. In the Christian life, we have a means. That means is steadfast endurance. The word is hupomone, which doesn't mean the patience which just sits down and accepts things, but the patience which masters them. It is not some romantic thing which gives us wings to fly over the difficulties and the hard places. It's a determination, unhurrying and yet unyielding, which goes steadily on and refuses to be deflected. Obstacles do not daunt it and discouragement do not take its hope away. It is the steadfast endurance which carries on until in the end it gets there. I love that quote. I love the word that William Barclay uses, unhurrying and yet undelaying. And I think this speaks to kind of the pace of life that is intended for us in our journey of faith. For a really long time, I thought that the pace that we should take in life should always be the same and you're always seeking to like grow and increase and expand that pace. Where if we shifted, if we relaxed that pace, if we slowed down a little bit, that somehow like I was deficient in some way or I wasn't doing my job right or I wasn't walking in faith properly. But I very quickly realized that this is actually an unsustainable and actually I think a piece that God doesn't intend for our lives because it ends up leading to exhaustion and burnout. It ends up leading to unhealthy places. To use the same analogy in our race of faith, if there will be times where the grade is ground and flat, where we're able to like push through, we're able to run without tiring as much, where we can maybe increase just a little bit. But then we experience those moments where we hit a bump, where we hit a little bit of an upward hill whether that be a crisis in your life, a particular challenge you're facing, whether that be a global pandemic that you kind of were caught off guard with, where it's lasting for longer than you had expected, and it's taking up way more mental real estate than you had hoped. 
If we were to try to run up that hill in the same pace as we were going when it was flat, we would very quickly exhaust ourselves. And we probably actually even wouldn't end up cresting that hill to see the like resolution of that hill to be able to resolve. And if we do that, it leads to disappointment. It leads to shame. It leads to a place where you find yourself kind of unhealthy. If this marathon of faith is characterized by endurance and not depletion, then our pace needs to adjust based on the season of life that we're in. It's the one that hits kind of the radical middle of working heartily, as the Bible says, but also knowing that Jesus' yoke and burden is light. I really do believe that Jesus has like extra grace for you and I in those times where it feels like we're climbing a hill, where it feels like that pace isn't quite what we're expecting in that season. Why? Because he's our great high priest. He is the perfect empathizer for the challenges that we face, where he knows those things so intimately and responds with such grace and such mercy in our lives. I really do believe that at least for me, it can be hard to extend that grace to myself. Where I can maybe extend that grace of a change of pace to somebody else, but for me, it's a little bit harder. But in those seasons, I need to remind myself, don't resent the change in pace, but instead choose to see it as a new rhythm of grace in your life. And I'm very much like preaching to myself here. Don't resent the change in pace, but see this as a new rhythm of grace for your life. Whereas we shed those things, as we allow sin to, like Jesus, do the work of untangling that sin from our lives, we experience true freedom. Where we're not hindered, where we're not held back, where we can run that race freely and openly and with joy and with endurance even when we hit those hills and even when we hit those bumps. The marathon of faith is endured by what we shed, but it is won by where we set our gaze. The marathon of faith is endured by what we shed, but it is won by where we set our gaze. Hebrews 12 verses 2 to 3 says, Look to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. Our endurance can sometimes be challenged by what still needs to be shed, but Jesus never intended us to endure with all of that weight and all of that sin still entangling us. This is why we must set our eyes on Jesus because of what he has done already in order to help us run this race. Because if we still just look at the distance that we need to go, we will quickly become discouraged. But if we look toward Jesus and the fullness of who he is and the grace that he extends us, then I think that's the key to joyfully enduring in this marathon of faith because he is the prize, not the finish line, not the trophy. Jesus is the prize in our marathon of faith. Looking towards Jesus' life, death, and sacrifice is actually the best motivator that we can have because we see Jesus' love toward us 
We see the measure that he endured on our behalf by taking on that full weight of sin so that we didn't have to carry that weight. Where he paves the way for our faith, we see a perfect example of how to run the race. It allows us to take our eyes off of the distance ahead or the challenge before us and see a savior who is calling us toward him with grace and mercy and his power but not just calling us toward him from far off, but actually running beside us in the process as well, championing us, cheering us on, encouraging us, picking us up where we fall flat on our face. That's what we see when we, when we look to Jesus. And in this section of Hebrews, the author speaks about how Jesus is the author and perfecter of our faith. Sometimes the word author can also be translated as pioneer or as forerunner of our faith. I think this insight into the character of Jesus is one that always sets my heart at peace. Because I know that if Jesus was the one who blazed the trail for each one of us, then there is purpose in my journey of faith. There is purpose in those, those hills that I climb. There is purpose in every obstacle that I may find myself facing. There is somebody who has already gone before me on that trail. And who has not just gone before me to survey the field, but who has pushed those roadblocks out of the way. The NIV application commentary sums it this way. Say Jesus accomplished the perfection of our faith by his sacrificial death on the cross. In keeping with the race imagery, he has cleared the path of faith, faith so that we may run it. The way is open, and although hurdles exist, the roadblocks have been removed. As I've been reading this passage, I've kind of been considering not just in this moment, but in the previous chapters, we've heard already the author of Hebrews say, consider Jesus, look to Jesus. And I was kind of trying to figure out what practically that looks like. But as I was considering this again, as I was reading and studying, I kind of realized that there are two pieces of scripture that really give us insight in how to do this. The first one is Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 to 6. It says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. The phrase, make straight your paths, when you kind of look at the original language, is not necessarily like a straight, like a straightening of the path, so you just run straight, but it's more of like a removing of obstacles actively that are in your way. So when we set our eyes on Jesus, when we consider him by trusting in him, which is our expression of faith, and leaning on his understanding rather than our own, we begin to navigate the way of faith with endurance. That's how we look at him. As we do that, we see the obstacles in our way be moved, that they were there to trip us up, that they were there to make it seem like there's no way around, over or under, and yet Jesus moves us out of the way. That doesn't mean that we don't experience trials or challenges in this world, but it means they don't defeat us. It means they aren't the end of our story. It means they aren't the sum of who we are it means that we have a means over those hills. And another verse that helps us to understand how we set our eyes on Jesus and consider him is found in Matthew chapter 6, verses 33. It says, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things will be added to you. And the kind of context of this verse in Matthew speaks to the response of trusting in God to provide all that you need in your journey of life, Rather than trusting in the world, your job, your finances, the circumstances around you, all of those things. 
And so this is kind of one of the other ways that we can, that we can set our eyes on Jesus, that we can consider him, is to seek his kingdom above our own, and is to consider the way that we walk in his righteousness. And then these things will be added to us. Well, the marathon of faith is endured by what we shed and is won by where we set our gaze. And this season for myself, I felt like I've been climbing up a hill and that there are so many things that are like jockeying for my gaze. And it can be so easy to just shift my gaze a little bit and find myself running out of steam, exhausting myself in the process. And I think those are those of us who maybe feel the same. You're feeling the weight of this COVID season. You're feeling the weight of not being able to find a job or not knowing where your next bills will be paid. As all these things are kind of jockeying and, and trying to get your gaze, can I encourage you some, in something? If you're feeling the exhaustion, if you're feeling like you can't take one more step in your journey of faith, can I just ask you gently and with grace, one question, where are you setting your gaze right now? Where have you set your gaze? Because the reality is Jesus hasn't left you. He hasn't left you. Although it some, sometimes may feel like it, it's not because he has moved. He is immovable, but it's because maybe we have allowed other things to steal our gaze. But I want to encourage you that if he is immovable, that if he is unchanging, then we know exactly where to find him again. Can I encourage you to set your gaze on him in this season? To consider his grace, his mercy, his love for you, the way that he paved that way of faith. To lean not on your own understanding, but to trust in him. To seek his kingdom and his righteousness, and then receive that provision that he has for you in this season. I need you to hear this. You can endure this marathon, not like in a way that's just like passively enduring where you're like trudging, but enduring it with joy. Because the joy that we have in Jesus is not based on our outward circumstances, but it's based on the inward reality that Jesus is in us and with us and for us. It's a way that we position our heart to be loved by him. And that is a way that we experience that joy that allows us to endure, that the joy of the Lord can truly be our strength forward. And if you're finding yourself today, maybe running on flat, easy ground, can I celebrate with you? That that's such a great place to be. That's such a wonderful place to set our gaze on where we feel like we can continue pacing forward. But can I also challenge you today? Can I challenge you to cheer somebody on in their faith who needs it? It can be a simple phone call or a text. It can be something grander. I'm not going to dictate what that is. But we need each other as we journey in our marathons of faith together. We need each other to remind us of God's faithfulness. We need us to maybe come alongside of each other and run with somebody and say, hey, I'm with you in this and I'm cheering you on in the process. Well, if you're with us or joining us here on our stream and you feel like you need prayer because you can't quite set your gaze back on Jesus, or maybe you're here and you haven't actually even started that marathon of faith because you're just exploring that faith, but you do want to take that next step into starting, we would love to pray with you. We would love to chat with you. There are a couple ways that you can do that. The first way is to phone us here at the church. We're here until noon at 604-483-4283. Or you can text us 
and it's a little bit of a more distant way to, of chatting if you're feeling uh, like you don't want to phone. It's 604-210-8535 and we love to text you as well. Well, I'm so excited that we can be on this marathon together. And I pray that in this season we continue to endure and I'm gonna just pray to, to close us off today. God, thank you so much that you allow us to experience joy even amidst the times we're running up a hill. That we can experience joy uh, despite our circumstances and our obstacles in our way. God, I pray that if there are people here who just feel like they can't quite take one more step, Lord, I pray that you continue to catch their eye, to catch their gaze, that you would strengthen them in this moment to allow them to continue forward in their faith, but that you would also burden our hearts today to be people who come alongside each other and to encourage and spur us on to continue forward. God, we thank you for this journey of faith. May we not begrudge it, may we not resent it, but may we see it as an, a beautiful expression of the working of your grace in our life. God, we love you. We thank you, and we thank you that you've blazed that trail for us already. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Well, thanks so much for joining us, friends. We're so glad that you were here on this Sunday morning. Please join us again next week. We would love to see you, and also hopefully we'll see you in person at one of our fall gatherings. But see you guys. We'll, we'll see you again.